Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is chapter 21 in the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. In this chapter, it's titled, Do No Harm, What is the Future of the Planet? This chapter isn't actually explaining necessarily the future of the planet, but it's an opportunity for you as a practitioner to think about the future of the planet and start to get connected with how these decisions that we make in our life improve our life practice, but also improve the way that we care for the world or care for the earth. It's important that as one awakens their mind, that we do so with the thought of our planet, because this is our environment where we're going to be living for the rest of this life. And if we happen to be reborn into another existence or multiple existences from there, then we're going to be experiencing the results of whatever decisions that we're making now. So as an individual and as a collective society, any decisions that we make in our life, we're going to experience the results of those decisions. Not only the decisions about our intentions, our speech, our actions, our livelihood, and all the other things that the Buddha teaches as part of the Eightfold Path, but we're also experiencing the results of our environment. And over multiple, multiple generations, it's well known that the planet isn't in the best condition. As I've spoke in prior classes introducing this particular topic, this topic is really connected to climate change. And while some people consider that to be a topic of political nature, I don't consider that a political topic. I consider it just to be something that as enlightened beings, as people who are looking to awaken our consciousness, be aware of the decisions that we're making and understanding the consequences of those decisions, that this is a topic that we should all be interested in understanding and helping us to improve our decision making as we go forward in life. Because as I mentioned, as a result of all the decisions that we make, we're going to experience the results of those decisions, both in this life and any future lives that we may experience. And even if we attain enlightenment in this life, there's going to be countless more beings that are going to need the resources of this planet in order to sustain their life and ultimately move to enlightenment. So it's really important as part of your journey to enlightenment that you think about the planet and you think about the future of this planet and how our decisions affect the future of this planet. Nobody can say exactly, exactly what the future of this planet is, but we know that if there is going to be a future, 
there needs to be good, wise decisions about how we care for the environment. I know from when I was a child growing up, I can share a little story with you guys that at different times I used to skip school and I wouldn't go to school. Myself and a friend, we would go off into the woods and we would hang out and we would do different things instead of going to school. And in our community, we could drink water out of the creek because it was clean, it was fresh, and it wasn't a rural community. It was a normal suburb. And we could drink water out of that creek and with no problems whatsoever because we were in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and outside all day and we needed to drink water and we couldn't go home because people in our neighborhood would see us there. But we were able to drink out of the creek without a thought otherwise because the water was very clean and very clear. Well, as we aged and as more and more decisions were being made as a result of people changing oil in their cars and dumping that or trash being dumped and things like this, what we saw and what you can see today is a slow change in the clarity and cleanness of the water. I am sure if I went back to those same creeks that I used to drink out of when I was in second and third grade, that water would be undrinkable today. And that is enough evidence for me to see that human activity and human population has definitely changed the face of this planet and the environment here. While the scientists have been sharing things with us that are happening in our environment and things that we need to improve in order to sustain the health of our planet, that is what they're sharing. And I don't see any reason why they would have to lie about that. But even disregarding that, if you've lived on this planet for any length of time and you've been observant of the environment around you as I was as a child, you should have been able to see that the clarity of water and surface water has changed, that the weather is changing and becoming more and more drastic in terms of floods all over the world, significant increase in heat, more severity in winter storms, and things like this. And while we know things are impermanent and that change should be predicted as part of weather patterns and things like this, we also know that if we allow there to be too much change as a result of our decisions, that the consequences are that through polluting the earth, this planet isn't going to be able to provide the resources that we need in order to sustain our life. And through COVID and everyone being sequestered and isolated in their homes for extended periods of times, we saw a lot of the environment start to clean itself up. And that's the beauty about impermanence is that any kind of damage that we've done as human beings through the unknowing of true reality that we were polluting and have been polluting the earth all these years and all these generations, as we choose to improve our decision-making, the earth can actually repair itself and it can actually revitalize itself as it's been doing since human activity on the planet has been drastically diminished through people being sequestered or quarantined in their home throughout the COVID time. We see drastic improvements to like the canals in Italy. At one time, they were considered to be very dirty and there wasn't much wildlife there. Within a matter of a few weeks or months, 
after COVID and everybody being sequestered, we saw wildlife coming back to the canals of Italy. There was dolphins and turtles and things like this that didn't exist prior to COVID, where there was a lot more human activity on the planet. We also saw a lot of pollution in certain Asian cities and other cities around the world as a result of automobiles and air travel and things like this, all significantly diminished as we changed our habits and we changed our behaviors through this COVID outbreak, we all as a human population were almost required to change our activity. And through doing so, we saw the earth kind of rebound in a certain way. But that experience of human activity being significantly diminished is temporary. Eventually, COVID will be eradicated and we will see that human activity will start to increase. And what this chapter is really devoted to is just helping you to start thinking about some individual choices that you can make as a way to help improve the condition of the planet. I shared a few examples in this chapter, and one of the examples that I shared was I noticed that the scientists said one of the best things that we can do in order to improve the health of our planet is not to waste food. This is something that we all have the ability to do is to make sure that when we order food or we prepare food that we don't waste it because there's a significant amount of resources that go into planting and growing and harvesting and transporting and packaging, bringing products for sale, purchasing those, bringing them home, preparing them, all this activity around providing food for human beings. And what the research shows is that about 40% of all the food is actually wasted. And that means there's a significant amount of air pollution, water pollution, and resources that are used in order to prepare this food and bring it to market that we're actually wasting. And by ensuring that we're not wasting food, it's one of the best things that we can actually do. And some of the research that I saw, they equated not wasting food to bringing a significant number of cars off the street, you know, millions and millions of cars off the street through just ensuring that we eat all the food that we purchase and making sure food doesn't go to waste. So for those of you guys that have seen this chapter, at the very end of the chapter, I put a picture of some plates that were just empty with no food on it, because I think that just is such a beautiful picture to see plates that someone has eaten food and it's all completely gone at the end of the meal. There isn't any food left on the plate. It just looks so beautiful because we know that this is a huge contribution that we can make to the planet. Rather than share in this chapter what the future of the planet is because nobody really truly knows 100% because it's based on lots of individual decisions. And rather than give you all the information that is out there that scientists share today, which over time will be refined. Instead, I just use this chapter to bring to your attention that wise decisions are important to ensure the health of the planet for you in this life and all of our relatives who will continue. Should you attain enlightenment and not come back to this planet, there's going to be lots of people who are your relatives that are going to continue to need the resources here. And should you come back, you're going to need the resources here as well. 
So rather than use today's class time to share with you any kind of statistics or research or anything like this to try to convince anyone that climate change is real, I think that if you are interested in that data and you still aren't sure that the climate is changing and that human populations have indeed affected the health of the earth, then you can go out and research that and find all that data for yourself because it's widely available. And I'm not a scientist, so I'm not the one that should be providing scientific information. Instead, what I'm providing as a teacher is in order for you to move to this higher consciousness, not only do you need to ensure you're making wise decisions along this eightfold path as it relates to all the other factors of the path, but that one factor of right action, not causing harm through our bodily actions. If we choose to do certain things to the planet, we can either cause harm or, or not based on our decisions through our bodily actions. I know growing up as a child, when I first got my first car, I wasn't aware of this aspect of life. And I remember changing oil several times in my first car and just dumping that in the ground because I didn't know any better at that time. And the oil filter would just get tossed into the woods, for example. But then over time, we gradually started learning more and more about how we were polluting the planet and I no longer did those things and I chose to take my car to an oil change place that recycles the oil and ensures the oil gets to a place where it needs to be. Uh, there were countless decisions that we were making as children growing up. I remember driving down the street and if there was trash in the car we were taught to just throw it out the window and that was when we were six, eight, ten years old. But then over time people started becoming aware that this was harmful to the planet and we all kind of learned to clean up our conduct and no longer do those things. And there's countless decisions like this that we have all come to be aware of and come to learn. And what I would like to do in today's class is to allow all of us to share certain aspects of how we've learned certain things about the environment and things that we've improved about our decision-making that we consider to be an improvement for the health of the planet. So what I'd like to do is more kind of lead a group discussion where we can all share ideas about things that we've learned and things that we've chosen to no longer do or things that we choose to do now that will contribute to the health of the planet. So if there are certain things that you're currently doing as a result of becoming aware of our decisions and they, those individual decisions do affect the health of the planet, it would be wonderful if you spoke up during today's class, raised your hand in Zoom, and offered your suggestions that all of us can learn from you about things that you are actually doing as a way to improve your decision making with the thought of helping the earth be more healthy. And if you're in Facebook or YouTube, you're welcome to come into Zoom and talk or you can just put your thoughts into the comment section of Facebook or YouTube or Zoom as well. And our moderators will see that and share your thoughts in today's class. But as many of you as possible, I would encourage you to use Zoom and come in and actually electronically raise your hand and share your thoughts. I've shared a few here where I now take the automobile or my motorbike to a legitimate oil change facility that is doing 
something wholesome with the oil and ensuring that those things get where they need to go. And uh, there's other changes that I've made throughout my life as well that I'm willing to share along with you guys. But I would like to give you guys an opportunity to share your thoughts. So if you would like to share, just raise your hand in Zoom. The moderators will call on you. Or if you're in Facebook or YouTube, you can put that into the comment section. And together, by the time we're done with today's class, we should have a large variety of thoughts and ideas and things that we're all doing that we can potentially learn something from each other and say, oh, I really like how Ali uh, is doing that. I'm going to start doing that. Or I like the way Nick mentioned this. And, you know, that's something that I can do, too, because there's so many easy things that we can do that we don't oftentimes think about until we actually are brought to our attention, which is what this class can do. And some of these things that we will probably come up with in today's class are things that you can just do. You can set it up once and then be done with it and you don't have to actually do it any longer. So, for example, when I was in America, I learned that the toilets used a lot of water to flush the toilets. So one of the things that I learned is you can take a half a gallon plastic milk container, put a bunch of rocks in it, and then put it down into the back tank of your toilet, and it will take up more volume, and it won't need as much water to fill up the tank and flush the toilet. Here in Thailand, they have that kind of functionality built into the toilet, that there's actually different switches. There's one switch for just a little bit of water to flush and there's another switch for a lot of water to flush. But in America, I didn't have that. So I was able to set it up with the milk container with rocks, put it in there once and then leave it. And it only took me, you know, maybe two or three minutes to set that up. And then for as long as I lived in that dwelling, it continued to help the earth not to use as much water. And it also saved some money in the water bill as well. So there's some of these kind of things that you guys might be doing that you can just set up one time and forget about it. And it actually continues to help the planet and maybe even better for your budget as well. So I'd like to open up the class to all of you to be able to share either through Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. And together we can come up with various ideas that we might hear and we might decide to incorporate as an individual decision for ourselves. So I'll turn the class over to all of you guys. You're welcome to ask me questions as you normally do in class, but I really don't have anything other to share than be sure that you're conscious and aware of the decisions you're making and that you're making wise, wholesome decisions to ensure the health of the planet. And then use this class in order to think about and acquire some decisions that you can potentially make in order to improve your decision making to improve the health of the planet and then also you can share some decisions that you're making in order to help others to improve their decision making and improve the health of the planet so i'll just turn things over to james manal and basam and all of you so that we can have a discussion on this i can then kick us off today one of the things that i like to do is purchase produce from local farmers markets it has a lot of benefits for one you get fresh great produce and two you're supporting local farmers rather than corporations and then especially for the environment 
the produce isn't being shipped across the country, so there's much less of a environmental cost. So that's one that if you have local farmers markets in your area, that I would recommend. Oh, that's a great idea, James. I bet the produce is probably even very fresh and a lot more uh, healthy too, because it's grown in the local area. Absolutely, and it's always a great feeling to to help local farmers too. And um, a lot of the people that are actually selling you the produce or the people that are involved with growing it, and it's just a very connected feeling as well. Wonderful, I like that idea. Here in Thailand, we've got markets very close by and a lot of our food is grown right here locally. So the shopping market is what you guys would consider a farmer's market. That's like the everyday shopping here in Thailand. We go out about every two or three days to a market and buy food that way. And I remember in America, they had those farmer's markets that would come in at different times of the week. And you know, be at this location on Monday and this location on Saturday and so forth. And once you learn those things, it can be, like you say, really fun to go back and connect with the farmers and the workers and get to know who's preparing your food, who's growing your food. And they take a lot of effort and energy to ensure that you have good quality food. Who else would like to share? I have, um, hi, I just wanted to share something which um, I participated in here in my town. Um, which is uh, something similar, which which is rolling out in many towns, it seems, here in the U.S. They're called Buy Nothing Groups online. And they also go by maybe like a free cycle group or under other names. So basically, it's very community-oriented. And whatever goods you may have in your home, which you've used um, and you no longer have a need for, um, are put up on the, the website or the local group and uh, whoever needs it can come and pick it up. So there's sort of a, a two things that happen here. One, the item does not go in a dumpster somewhere, which is perfectly good use, which could go be used two, three, four times over and it's being saved from going into a dumpster. And the second part is that you actually get to meet community members face to face, which is phenomenal because otherwise you might not necessarily meet many, you know, people in your neighborhood or in your in your town. It's very uh, community centered. Uh, so um, I found the group to be very, very helpful in, um, you know, making sure that things are used well and that we're not just buying things. That's great. Manal, that's even a practice of generosity, too, because there you're freely giving something to somebody else without any expectation of anything in return. So not only is it helping the planet, but it's also helping your own practice of generosity and helping other people to acquire things that they may not otherwise be able to acquire. So that's wonderful. Gloria has her hand raised, so let's go to her next. Sure. Can you hear me? Yes, Gloria, we can hear you perfectly. Okay, so uh, some of the things that I am so glad that I recently learned was um, in South Carolina, uh, houses, the real estate um, market is blooming and they are uh, building many new houses, which uh, in my eye was beautiful However, with uh, any conversation with a friend that she is very mindful of the environment, 
she was saying that why to buy new houses instead of buying used houses and if we wanted improvements just to make small improvements which will be uh, less damaging to the environment um it's uh thinking about the land and also all the materials that are being used for new houses so that's one of the things that i thought yes that's right i uh and I'm glad I learned that. I think that's a big one. Um, another one that I learned, um, the 4th of July, I was excited about uh, the fireworks. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna see fireworks. And same frame was like, do you know Gloria that fireworks are very damaging for the environment? It kills a lot of the wild animals that it pollutes the air. And it was like shocking to me because I was like, you know, it does make sense. I never thought of that, you know, just, it's just that our behaviors are like automatic behaviors. We just don't think. And you know, those are things that should be common sense, I think. That's chemicals and it's, we're putting those chemicals in the air. So yeah, I was like, wow, why didn't I know this before or think of that? Um, and one that I have been using for years was um, to buy used clothing and anything that I can buy that is in good condition and reuse. That's another one that I, that's something that I do for years and I, I hope I can, that's something that has helped in the environment. And of course, what Jane said before about the food, is something that is, it's just, uh, has been the idea for many years. And that's something that um, it, it would be very helpful if many of us start doing that, uh, which will, improve the uh, the agriculture uh, will be uh, less, which is saying it's, 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 it's supposed to be very damaging as per, uh, I would say some research and maybe some videos that I have, that I have seen. So those are my ideas. Wonderful, Gloria. You brought, you. you brought up something really helpful there, which is you know as we go forward in this life we oftentimes don't think you know and we just kind of do what we've seen other people do all these years and you brought up a very important point that we're oftentimes doing things that we don't even realize are harmful until we hear it from somebody else or we kind of look at it objectively through a different lens of doing no harm and uh, you brought up that regarding fireworks and I think that's an important thing for us to think about, that there are certain things that we've probably grown up with and we've been doing for a long time in our life. But if we pause for a moment like we're doing today is, you know, become conscious and aware of the decisions we're making, that we can realize that some of the decisions we've been making in the past aren't necessarily so wise and that we can improve our decision making and improve how the health of the world uh, progresses or how the health of this planet progresses so 
thank you for bringing that up. And uh, I can't help but notice your picture there in uh, in Zoom of hugging your tree. So uh, very, very uh, appropriate picture for today's class. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Let's go to Miranda next. Hello. Uh, so there's a bit of a story with this. This happened yesterday, really. We um, have just moved into this fifth wheel. So all of our water is on board. It's stored on board. Uh, we have a 30-gallon tank in the fifth wheel. And we had a water leak. We fixed that so then we can actually use the water, run the water. And throughout the day giving the dogs water, drinking water ourselves. Um, John took a shower, I did the dishes, and even doing the dishes, I was trying to conserve water. You get the sponge wet, mm -hmm. you turn the water off, you wash a dish, you turn the water on, rinse it off, turn the water off, you know. And then I went to go take a shower. I got in, and the shower in the fifth wheel has a button on it to turn the water on and off. So you get wet, turn it off, soap up, and I went to turn the water back on to rinse off, and we ran out of water. <laughs> so <laughs> that opened my eyes a little bit to even when I was trying to conserve water, we're using way more water than we realized. We went through 30 gallons of water in a day, just with normal use. So that's something that I'm going to have to keep an eye on, especially um, throughout the day, how much water we're using. And that just is an eye-opening experience because then you think, well, when you're at home and you have city water, that you're not worried about, I only have 30 gallons of water. How much water are we wasting then? Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we have gone and gotten... Um, we have two 60-gallon barrels for water storage, so we do have extra water now. But it's just something to really keep an eye on that I would urge everyone to keep an eye on how much water you're actually using and find ways to conserve water and electricity, too. Here, um, normally the fifth wheel runs like the lights will run on the batteries that are in the fifth wheel. But anything we want to plug in, we have to run a generator which runs on gasoline. So then we have to go buy gasoline to put in the generator. So to conserve that, we run the generator and anything that we're gonna have to plug in for the day, if we wanna charge the tablet or charge the phone or uh, use the coffee maker, use the microwave for something, you do all of those things all at the same time so that you're conserving your gasoline so that you're making the most out of that energy that you're creating. So I think that living this way is going to really open my eyes to how much waste I've been producing, even when trying to not produce waste living in a normal home with electricity that's always there and water that's always there and, and you know, all these things that are normally just provided by the utilities. Now they're not provided by the utilities. We have to create them, keep an eye on them, and all of those things. Yeah, that's going to modify your thinking a whole lot, living that way, yeah? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we have available to us that 
isn't exactly, you know, the way that you're talking about living in a, uh, you know, kind of a, a, you call it a fifth wheel or like a RV or something like this. But people who live in a stationary home, you know, nowadays we have those um, adapters that you can put on showers and faucets that are reduce the amount of water that is needed in order to facilitate whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish with the water. And of course, with electric, you know, there's light bulbs and appliances that take significantly less electric to operate. So those are things that, since we don't live in a fifth wheel like you, Miranda, we can, those of us who live in an actual house, can incorporate and you put them in place once and then you basically forget about it and that it's constantly saving those resources for us. But Miranda's going to have to do a lot of thinking on her own to adjust to this new lifestyle, yeah? Yes. Um, even we switched when um, we were redoing the fifth wheel. John installed all of uh, LED lighting. So they use much less energy, so the batteries will last much longer. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for and, sharing. Oh, did you have something else, Miranda? Um, well, I don't want to go on for hours. Um, a couple of things, though. Um, I take old clothing that gets too holy to wear when it's threadbare, and I cut it into uh, rags for cleaning. Or if it's like a big T-shirt that just has you know stains on it, I will use that to strain things if you're making like a jelly or something that you don't want a bunch of seeds in. You can use those to strain through so you're not using, you know, things that then get thrown away. You can reuse articles like socks are great for dusting. You flip them over so the terry cloth side is out and dust away and they grab a bunch of dust. Um, I've cut up t-shirts to use for paper towel. Instead of using paper towel, you just have the, you know, scraps of t-shirts, big squares. Use them to dry your hands, use them for washcloths. There's a lot of things that we can do to reuse the items that normally would just be thrown away. Nice. And then, the, and then we don't have to use as many paper towels. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Thank you, Miranda. Appreciate you sharing. Yes, you're welcome. Let's go to Nick now. Hi, Teacher David. Hi, everyone. Hello, Nick. Uh, I'd like to start with um, a story from uh, a couple years ago. I remember I was walking into my brother's house. Um, I, was, I was walking in with my aunt, my grandmother's sister. So she was in her 80s at the time. And uh, I, I, I forget how it, how it came up, but uh, I said something like, oh, you know, uh, when I get out of the army, I want to live in Florida or something like that. Uh, um, you know, I was talking about the weather, you know. And uh, she said to me as we're walking up the driveway, she's like, ah, Oh, I love staying in New York, you know, uh, we got the four seasons. I couldn't get up the four seasons. And I kind of looked at her like, you know, the funny look. And I'm thinking to myself, we haven't had four seasons in New York since I was a kid. For about 30 years, we haven't had four seasons here. You know, it's not like, you know, the Carolinas where they have like every quarter, it's a new season, you know, New York hasn't been like that in 30 some something years. We have a, an eight to nine month winter and about a week or two of spring and fall and two months of summer. You know, it's totally changed. Um, so, uh, you know, I realized that. Uh, and also I, I'd like to mention some, I've had some epiphanies um, over the last couple of years, especially, especially during the uh, pandemic. 
Um, I thought, I think what, what did a great job um, is Netflix, you know? They, 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 they expose like a lot of harm in the world through their documentaries. And uh, some of those things were just eye-openers to me. A few shows in particular, like uh, David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet. Um, I think you've seen that one too, Teacher David. I, I remember you posting, you mentioned it. Um, that was really good. It shows the course of his lifespan, how he used to be an explorer. And in the, you know, he's 93 or 94 now. And uh, he said from the time he started, you know, the, uh, you know, the wildlife and, and, and the rainforest are, are um, they're only 30% of what they used to be from when he started, you know, um, that, that's just during his lifetime. Um, <clears throat> so that was a good show. Um, I believe Kiss the Ground was also a great show hosted by Woody Harrelson. And in that they exposed what, what commercial farming can do like how, how horrible it is to the environment. You know, not just, um, um, you know, the meat and things like that, but like all the chemicals, because the soil, they really explain the science of the soil and how it's gotten worse and how the food is not nutritious anymore. And they just got to keep adding chemicals. They got to keep tilling, which is like the worst things you can do. Um, and then just the, the cattle lots, the feed lots, uh, that is all desert land. And uh, um, with with my piloting experience, you know, I knew exactly what they were talking about, like the different um, air pockets and the heat and, and things uh, things of that nature. Like if you're flying over, you can you know shoot right up um, for the different pressures of the hot air, cold air. It's all uh, it really does change the environment. You know, I used to look at you know global warming as a political thing, like you said, but climate change, you know, that, that's very true. You know, I know that from just, uh, you know, aeronauticals, you know, um, and, and that show did a really great job uh, explaining all that, but they also showed the remedies for it. Uh, it's called regenerative, regenerative farming, you know, it's like all organic. Um, the livestock there like roams freely, they actually um, symbiotically live together with the plants you know, creating their own bacteria, their own microbes, just doing it the right way. And it shows like the guy doing it, who's, who's an advocate for regenerative farming, like on this lot, and then it shows like his neighbor's lot that's doing the commercial. And it's just horrible. They also exposed how these people are not changing to the regenerative farming ways, and they're sticking with the commercial farming because the government pays them to do so. Like it's something crazy. I forget the exact percentage, but 90% of those commercial farmers are getting subsidies by the government just to make corn and things like that to, to feed the cattle lots, you know, so people can eat meat. So the government is, is um, paying these farmers to basically harm the environment, you know, whereas we, we, we probably shouldn't be eating meat we should just stick the plants and do the organic farming, the regenerative farming. You know, uh, I believe like Egypt used to used to be fertile land and it's now a desert. Um, these places that were doing commercial farming throughout the United States are all turning into deserts. Anyway, that show is it's really good. I, I, I encourage people to watch. It's a real eye opener and they explain the science behind it. And you can just see it with your own eyes. Um, 
I think I've explained enough of the summary on that show. I, I, again, that's called um, Kiss the Ground. It's hosted by Woody Harrelson, and it's a Netflix documentary. Um, the other show um, that might have been a little biased was, but it's still true. It shows the, there's still a lot of truth to it. I mean, I think the director or producer was very, was very uh, passionate about it. So, so there might have been a little bias in this next one. I'm going to recommend, you know, just keep that in mind. But it also does show um, what commercial farm or uh, fishing, how bad that is to the environment. And that that was called Sea Spiracy. That's a newer one within the last, I don't know, six months on Netflix. Sea Spiracy, and it just shows um, the commercial f- fishing, how how horrible that is to the ocean people are leaving their nets in there you know really and what i got from that was like the i combined that with the commercial farming the commercial fishing and um really i'm thinking of a huge problem is the commercialization of food production like if every region just you know took care of the things locally like james was saying the farmer's market i'm about to go to a farmer's market um uh, when we're done with class here too, because I love going to those. It was great. Anyway, I think if we just like you know feed locally instead of you know getting in with the greed and having to sell nationwide and doing all that, you know that's a big problem. You know uh, people should be eating plants. So I think one of the best things you can do is to become vegan. Um, and 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 that's what I've done in my life. Um, you know, there's there's definitely food cravings. Anyone that will argue that, uh, you know, oh, you know, oh, meat's good for you or something like that, they're 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 just they're just talking with their with their tongue consciousness. You know, anyone that says, uh, oh, aesthetics and the Buddha eats meat, they're just talking with their tongue consciousness. They 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 don't want to give up the craving. You know, people just crave that food and they just want to have it, so they'll come up with excuses. When you and I and most everybody here knows that, you know. Aesthetics eat what is given and, you know, they're doing that sort of thing, but they're not, you know, the Dalai Lama or, 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 or Gautama Buddha, they're not going to be at your family barbecue saying, where's the beef, you know, that just doesn't happen. They're not going to be in the McDonald's drive through Now, aesthetics are going to eat what's given. That's part of the second precept, accepting what is given. But us householders and, 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 and when the monks are at their monasteries, even though, you know, are, uh, uh, or if they have a choice in the matter, I should say, us householders, we have choice. We don't have to eat the meat. So that's 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 following the first precept. You know, um, not killing. You know, and 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 all the extensive definitions you gave us for that, the explanations in the book. So that falls right in line with that. You know, that's true. Um, so I guess yeah, my my biggest thing um, would be to going vegan it, it, it took me uh about a year to transition because i was big into bodybuilding you know the muscles working out i thought uh you know i needed all that you know to maintain muscle and strength and energy that's not true i i i, I feel great i have less inflammation now sticking with plant-based diet and eye opener to that also on netflix is called game changers they show like no meat athletes some of the best in the world aren't eating meat so uh, that helps with people that are, um, you know, thinking that way. Any of your bodybuilders, any of your athletes. Oh, I need the meat. No, no, no you don't. Check out Game Changers. That that can explain it.
you know. Um, yeah, uh, over, over the it took me a little while, like I was saying, to to become a vegan. First thing I dropped was the red meat, and then I became politarian, where I had uh, you know just chicken, fish, and, and 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 my fruits and vegetables. Then I would drop down to the pescatarian. No, and I I I, I probably had some sheets in between along the way for sure, but. Uh, so I went from no red meat, proletarian, pescatarian, then down to vegetarian, and then I cut out the dairy products. So I've been vegan um, for for quite some time. I, I think maybe towards the end of 2020, like around November 2020, I've been full, full vegan since then. Um, but going slow, uh, I found was the way to go. I didn't have any, my body didn't hurt or anything like that. Actually, I feel better. That's a big thing. Um, so that's my tip there, and and, and uh, for the environment to for people to open open their eyes. There's some good documentaries. I just wanted to say that in there and mention those. So if anyone, um, you know, has time for a show, you know, it's better to watch educational things over um, entertainment. I, I feel if we're practicing. So those are some good recommendations. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, other things that I've, I, I've noticed and I've encouraged people to do was um, like my, our, our household, uh, you know, toiletries and um, cleaning products. I found a company called Grove um, and I just get my products through there. They're like plastic free. They use all natural stuff, no chemicals, the paper towels, the toilet paper, it's all bamboo. Um, bamboo and like hemp products, they're great. They're fast growing and only takes a couple weeks instead of, you know, cutting down trees that have been alive for 50 years and they're supposed to live till they're a hundred or, 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 or what have you, you know, bamboo and, and hemp, they grow in weeks. That's like what companies, um, Grover using and they, they just plant some more, you know, um, their chemicals that like, you know, the toilet cleaners have, or their, their products like toilet cleaners have no chemicals in it. So you don't flush that down the toilet, doesn't get back into the water system through the sewers. There's things like that you can do. Um, I also found a company um, here, I believe it's called uh, Arcadia. Anyway, uh, don't quote me on that, but because uh, I, I know there is a company there, so I don't know if they're the ones that are, that are doing this. Um, but there's power companies in New York, you know, National Grid or Niagara Mohawk. And, uh, you know, they're just using the straight, you know, your petroleum and things like that to power the house. But there are companies that uh, when a law was passed here in New York or, or might have been nationwide, I'm not sure, where you can choose your, your power company, like where you want to get your own power. Like there's other companies, oh, we'll supply the power to National Grid and then you can pay us instead. Like you don't have to you don't have to be stuck in a monopoly and get your power from National Grid Niagara Mohawk. So there's this one company that uh, is using solar power and they're putting it back into um, like national grid. But this company says you can like monitor your own power and you're gonna, you're gonna see a difference it's actually cheaper. So you save your money and you can monitor it every day. They give you like a login. So it's not like you're losing any money. And if you do, you can cancel that month. So it's a pretty good, pretty good thing to investigate. So what I'm saying is there are things out there where you can change how you supply your power you know, depending on your region, that might be something to look into. You don't have to get, you know, your standard coal petroleum power 
to your house. You know, at least in New York, you could pay a different company that's that's using something wholesome that doesn't take anything. The sun is free, wind is free too. You know. Um, those are just all the those are the tips I have. That's what came off to the top of my head. Uh, I do have a question for you later, Teacher David, uh, um, uh, about uh, fluoride towards the end of the chapter. But uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you now and anyone else, and then uh, hopefully I get to ask that if there's still time towards the end of the class. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Nick. You can ask the question anytime you like. Uh, let me just share something based on what you were saying, though, is uh, when I was looking at the research for this chapter, the two things that I saw that were common across a lot of different sources is one, the one that I shared at the beginning where I talked about not wasting food. This was a common theme that a lot of the scientists were saying that by just not wasting food, that's a significant improvement and a choice that we can all make individually. The second one, the second highest priority that was common amongst all of them is what one of the things that you're talking about, Nick, which is moving to a vegan diet. The sources were saying that these two decisions alone, if all human beings uh, moved in this direction, that we would see significant improvement to the health of the planet. And we don't need all everybody to agree and to do it all at one time, but just you as an individual like Nick, and I'm sure some of the rest of you guys have chosen to do is move towards, you know, gradually moving towards a vegan diet will not only help the health of your body, the health of the mind, but also the health of the planet as well, that you won't be ingesting those chemicals and toxins and hormones from animals. And because we're not killing, then we will experience better results for our own physical health and the health of the, the planet. So that's a important one to to highlight. But what, what was your question, Nick, uh, while you're here and engaged? What was your question about fluoride? Okay, sure, sir. Um, I know fluoride to be uh, like a, a neurotoxin, an endocrine uh, dis disruptor. I've also uh, researched it, it's, uh, and it, there's claims that it calcifies the pineal gland. So my question uh, to you, sir, at the end of the chapter, you advise us to, students and readers, to um, try to avoid fluoride. What, what are the reasons that, that you have? I was wondering if they're different than mine or for what my research has found. Yeah, I just noticed that using fluoride, it actually affects the clarity of the mind. Without fluoride, you will notice more clarity in the mind. And I'm sure there's underlying scientific explanation, some of which you're probably explaining or more aware of than I am. I base that on my own experience that in using fluoride versus not using fluoride, observing the condition of the mind. But I know that there is some research out there that shows that fluoride is harmful to the environment. It's also harmful to the human body, that if you have used too much fluoride, it can actually be toxic to the, the human body. But I don't know the level of research and scientific data that you probably are aware of. Okay, thank you very much, sir. I, I, I've noticed the same thing. I have more clarity in the mind without it. Mm -hmm. So I, I have fluoride-free toothpaste. I haven't had any new cavities, nothing like that. I mean, there, there, there's some good products just on Amazon you can get, you know, fluoride-free toothpaste by the same, same brands, even like organic brands. It's all good stuff. 
I know there's a lot of people have fluoride put in their water, in their water system, because there's like studies from 1940s. A couple scientists back then were like, oh, fluoride's great for teeth. And then no one's ever researched it again. They just dump it in the water. But how is anyone to say how much tap water people are drinking, how much they're cooking with, and then they brush their teeth with it, you know? Yeah, if you look um, at if you look at those people yeah. dumping the fluoride into the water supply, they're wearing full hazmat suits when they're doing it. Right. right. So if they're wearing full hazmat suits while they're dumping this chemical into the water, should we really be drinking that stuff? <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe I believe it to be a toxin, and um, I've had more clarity of mind, um, easier to focus without it. The other one I mentioned there at the end of the chapter is MSG. If you guys are familiar with MSG, it's monosodium glutamate. This is put in a lot of snack foods. It's also used as kind of like a meat substitute. It's kind of a cheap way to bring out the flavor of certain foods. So you'll see this in snacks, really inexpensive snacks. You'll see it in certain soups or packaged food. And if you look for that, what you'll notice is that it creates headaches in the mind and it creates some muddleness in the mind. And when you eliminate MSG from your diet, you won't experience those headaches and you won't experience that muddle-mindedness. You'll experience uh, more mindfulness, awareness of mind, and you'll experience more concentration. So I kind of just gave you guys a few things to kind of look at as it relates to what you're putting into the body. And also as you're pointing out, Nick, that those decisions also impact the health of the planet as well. All right. So it looks like uh, we're ready for the next person, James. Thank you, Nick. I wanted to mention Manal's comment that she's also seen that following a vegan diet has cut inflammation. And to echo on what Nick said, I've constantly noticed that I hear about high-level athletes who are going with a vegan diet. And, you know, high-level athletes, they depend on their body for their livelihood so you can imagine that if a high level athlete is making that decision with the science that their trainers are following that we can all do that and it's also an act of loving kindness because I've heard so much about how if the world was following a vegan diet then there would be much less hunger and much less starvation because of the amount of food and energy that it takes to to fuel the, the meat trade and things of that nature. And I think it's probably never been easier to be a vegan as well because there are so many options out there for us. Even for people who are accustomed to eating meat, there's a lot of options that can help people transition impossible burgers, things of that nature. So yeah, I think that that's really important what you guys have been saying. Yeah, that's another good point. Not only do you eliminate the toxins that you're putting into the body, as a way of switching over to vegan, but also it takes a lot less resources to grow plant-based food than it does to grow meat because uh, there's lots of research that shows, you know, a certain acreage of land produces X amount of kilos of, of meat versus that same land produces an exorbitant amount of plants and plants that we can eat that can be shared around the world because there's famine. When COVID first uh, came on, I looked because I, we weren't sure how many people are going to die. We still aren't sure how many people are going to die. But in the last year, I think it's up to about 4 million people that have died of COVID or in the last year and a half. 
But I was surprised to see that every single year, something like 9.6 million people die of hunger. So that's like two COVIDs every single year is happening. So through switching over to vegan food, like you're sharing, it creates more resources to produce more food in the world. And we can stamp out hunger through doing that. And these are individual choices we can make. We don't have to wait for somebody else to tell us to do it. We can just do it ourselves. But 9.6 million people a year die of hunger. That's a real shame. That can all be resolved through better, wiser choices and through generosity, giving and sharing. Absolutely. Let's go to Donnie next. Oh, hi. Thanks, James. Um, just like to share a few things that I personally do. Um, uh, I have a two and a half year old kid and I didn't realize that our kids they grow up very fast. So uh, what we do is uh, we do our best to um, use old clothes that's been handed over by other parents. Uh, and we do very much our best not to buy new ones, although they are very, very cute, because uh, that will uh, lessen the amount of uh, resources that we will be using for the clothes. And uh, on a more personal level, like uh, for myself at, at home, a lot of people were talking about just now, like Miranda, talk about water. Um, for me, I actually use the water that uh, is being discharged after washing clothes. I'll collect that water, I use it to flush toilets. Uh, so uh, that will actually be uh, a very huge water saver because actually uh, for flushing water, that is the big one of the biggest uh, consume, consume, so consumption of water that we use day-to-day basis. Yeah, and um, the when, let's say when I go outside, uh, I like to have a drink with me sometimes, so I'll bring my own uh, collapsible silicone cup, so I don't use the plastic cups that they use. Yeah, and uh, the last thing I like to share is um, uh, for me, uh, my wife always poke fun on me from my head to my toe. I only use uh, one bar of soap. I don't separate facial cleanser, shampoo, etc. Uh, just olive oil, uh, soap that is the most basic ingredients don't have a lot of chemicals. And I find it uh, is better because the packaging is usually uh, just a piece of paper. So that actually cuts down a lot of plastics as well. Yeah, yeah, that's all for me. Very nice, Donnie. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting about all these ideas that you guys are sharing and something that Donnie shared too, is that it actually, is less expensive for us to practice in a way that is helpful for the planet. So like you using clothing from your other people to clothe your daughter and by using reusing water from the washing machine to flush toilets, not only is this better for the planet, but it's also better for our wallet in that we have more resources available for us and to share and that we don't have to work so hard to be able to live and exist in the world we can actually significantly reduce our cost of living by being more conscious and making wiser choices about how we use the resources on the planet so this is very good thank you guys for sharing these thoughts do we have others who have ideas or other thoughts to share one suggestion that i would make is that we put ourselves in nature and we really look at the natural environment and the beauty of it and I think this can be helpful to put us in the present moment and help us be appreciative and it can help us help inspire us and it can help us instead of focusing on what we're giving up and all the things we're talking about it can help us focus on 
what we're preserving by that and the beauty of the natural environment and what we're preserving for ourselves and for our children and for future generations. And I think that can also be really helpful in this. Yeah, I agree. I think that the decisions that we're making now are absolutely affecting our life now and affecting the future too. All of us who are involved here, you know, in a matter of 10, 15, 20 years, as we're all making these decisions more and more throughout the world, we will see that the world will, the planet will uh, repair itself. You know, we already saw that with just uh, the, the year of COVID of people significantly reducing their activity on the planet. We saw the planet starting to recover and, you know, imagine uh, more and more and more people functioning that way and not going back to old habits we'll see improvement and it really comes down to our own individual decisions sometimes when there's these thoughts that come to our mind we think like you know what we can we really do as an individual uh, of course large corporations and politicians and people who are in positions of power have more ability to make wider ranging decisions that affect the world and, and larger populations of people in ways that we necessarily can't. But our own individual decisions certainly can lead to improved results. So I would encourage everyone to not discount your own personal decisions that through you making wiser and wiser choices, you'll see how you're improving the condition of your mind through the Eightfold Path but we're also improving the condition of the planet through wiser and wiser decisions as well. Let's go to Gracie next. Hi, I'm not sure, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, thanks. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone for the great suggestions. Um, the kids and I have gotten some wonderful ideas. And I wanted to share a little bit about some of the things that we do. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, um, there's a company that's called Norwex, and what it is is they are rags, um, they're essentially there's, they clean themselves, and so when you're cleaning with them, you can use no chemicals. So there's uh, silver embedded into these rags. Um, quite a bit of silver. So it's supposed to clean like a Lysol wipe, only better because you don't have to rinse before and after. Um, they're quite costly at first, but once you have them, you save on buying chemicals or using Lysol wipes um, and less garbage. Um, also, one thing that we do is we Love to catch rain. We get a lot of rain where we are, so we put buckets out and catch rain to water our garden. Um, but we've, we've got a lot of suggestions, and thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chrissy. Those are great ideas. Catching rain uh, is a great way to reduce your water bill and store up water for other times. I bet Miranda's probably considering something like that. That would be really good for where she's at uh, with her fifth wheel. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of products nowadays on the market for incentivizing people to do these kind of things because the more of us that are interested in this type of products, more and more people will start producing these kind of products and we'll see more and more of them coming onto uh, the market. So as we make individual choices to 
direct our resources and our buying behaviors towards products that are good for the environment, more and more people will, more and more companies will pay attention to that and start producing products that are good for the environment. Wonderful. I'd like to thank everyone for all the suggestions we've had so far. And I would like to invite anyone else to come forward. Yeah, if anyone else has any ideas, though, feel free to come forward. And I thought I would ask a question there, David. Sure. It's been said that the majority of pollution is coming from a few parties as wealth is concentrated and from corporations and things of that nature. And that the majority of climate change is being facilitated in that way. And I was wondering what advice you have or guidance in addressing the destruction of the earth when most of the power is you know, outside of our hands, essentially. I would say that all we can do is pay attention to our own individual decisions. While there may be certain world leaders or certain people who own certain corporations who are making decisions that dramatically affect the world and the health of the planet, that's their decisions, that's their results. All we can do is focus on our own decisions and choosing to send our resources in the direction of people who are making wise decisions. So if you have a choice and there's two corporations that are selling a similar product and you can see that by sending your resources in the direction of the corporation who's making wise decisions, then that's your decision to do that. And that's improving the world. It's improving the health of the planet. And that's really all you can do at the end of the day. You can't, we can't as individuals go out and change someone to make wiser decisions based on what we think is more important because obviously the people making those unwholesome decisions are profiting from those unwholesome decisions and they feel that they are a good decision in their in their eyes. It's very hard to convince somebody otherwise. So rather than put a lot of effort into trying to convince somebody, the best convincer is start sending your resources to another company that is making wise decisions and more and more people who do that, then those companies are going to have to make wiser decisions. That's their gamma, that their revenues start dropping. And now they realize, whoa, we're selling products in a market that doesn't want our products anymore. We either need to change our behaviors and our decisions or else we're going to be out of business. And that's one of the best motivators and influencers. Absolutely, David. Thank you for that. Allie now has her hand raised, so let's go to her. First of all, I want to thank everyone for the sharing. I learned so much about how to save the um, planet this morning. Um, for me, one way not to waste food is I have been practicing like washing portion on what I eat, how much I eat. Um, I don't eat as much as I used to. Um, and I, my body is totally fine. I, in fact, as I get older, I was having, I seems like it's, it's so much easier to put on weight. So with the portion cut, it really helped me um, watch my weight and also not eating dinner. Um, I don't have regular dinner. I just have like a little bit of nut or uh, food, fruit. Because it used to be, I thought, a few years ago before I was going on the retreat, we were saying like um, the retreat that we were on a precept so we can't have dinner. So I, I 
I got laid off from my job. I went on a three month retreat and we, I was living in a monastery and at the monastery, there was no dinner. We were going eating with the schedule at the monastery after 11.30, there was no more food. So I was really like, oh, am I gonna be okay without eating dinner and all that? And, but once, once I was in, I was perfectly fine with no dinner. So when I got out of the retreat after um, three months, my body's just kind of like adjust to it. So I don't really have to eat dinner. And also I'm finding that by cutting the portion of the food, I'm saving money, I'm saving time. It's like eating dinner will take about half an hour to prepare and to eat. And at least I'm giving it a half an hour. So in a week I save like three and a half hours to do something out, putting more time into meditating, reading and stuff like that. So it's a wonderful way um, to not waste food. I just want to share. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ali. This is one of the teachings of the Buddha is eating in moderation. You know, during his lifetime, he only ate once a, a day. And that's what a lot of uh, people choose to do. And he ate before 12 noon to give the body time to digest. So not only is there less resources expended because you're eating less, not only is the body not working as hard, but you'll notice that your your health uh, will improve because the body's not working as hard and you're also not having to work as hard in order to acquire the resources to pay for that food. And then as Ali's saying, you also get more time in your life to do other things. Uh, there's a lot of time, effort, energy, and resources used towards just caring for this physical body, whether it's shopping for food, bringing it home, preparing it, eating it, cleaning up afterwards, whether it's uh, bathing and showering and taking care of this body, you know, we need to do those things. But there's so many things that we already do in order to care for this physical body that by eating in moderation, as Ali's talking about, this can be really helpful on a number of different levels. And uh, anybody who may find themselves progressing on this path to enlightenment, you may find that food is less and less enticing to you, that you just don't experience the strong cravings to eat large quantities of food multiple times throughout your day. You may find that your need for food actually decreases as well because the mind is performing more optimally. There's less burden on the mind, so the physical body doesn't require as much food in order to maintain it. So you'll notice some of these changes as you progress along the path, which culminate into beneficial results for you. Thank you, Ali. I, uh, I also want to add it just as like um, teacher, they would say like as we progress on the path, we um, have less desire for food. Like I don't have as much craving for food and I tend to be like, really just want to eat simply just to maintain this body. And I, I definitely have to see that a lot of change that are not just for food, even like for clothing and stuff like that. It used to be, I used to always want to buy clothes. And since as I progress on the path, I lost all that desire, like getting, buying clothes and stuff like that. I used to want to, in fact, I've been letting go of stuff and having less and less desire. Yeah, thank you. 
Good, very good. Yeah, the Buddha talked about, uh, when he talked about moderation of eating, he talked about eating just enough food to kind of eliminate hunger, that anything beyond that is kind of like gorging or engrossing oneself in food. But if you feel like a little bit of hunger in the stomach, he advised eating in moderation just enough to remove the hunger. Same thing with sleeping. He advised sleeping just enough to remove tiredness, you know, rather than kind of sleeping 12 or or so hours, you know, just enough to relieve the tiredness. And this will help the body and the mind function better. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Allie. Who's next, James? Go to Anastasia. Okay. Uh, Hello, guys. Sorry for my English, if you cannot understand well, but I'll try to... um, I I have a suggestion, and uh, it can be done anywhere in the planet. And uh, if you go to the supermarket, uh, try to buy uh, drinks that have reusable containers. For example, um, I, I work for a beverage company and uh, we only use a reusable container. Uh, We are a small brand, but Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you can also go and you can buy from all the product lines they have. They, They should have reusable containers. So plastic, we are not supposed to use plastic. So that way, uh, our company, for example, can reuse up to 10 times the same container. So we don't pollute the land. So that's a a suggestion. Anastasio, can you explain more about what is a reusable container? What kind of materials constitute a reusable container? Uh, It's plastic. Like, for example, when you buy a gallon of milk and a gallon of milk comes in a container for one gallon, and that container is made out of plastic. So plastic, uh, it takes uh, hundreds of years to uh, uh, disappear from the land. So you can buy, for example, um, a milk company could have bottles of glass, so uh, containers of glass. So you can buy milk from a company that has reusable glass bottles. So you can return the, the container to the supermarket and you get a credit or you can buy again the same milk from the company and uh, you just turn in the dirty container and you get a new clean with milk container back. So you would suggest not using plastic, but choosing drinks that are made with glass containers? Uh, it, can be, it can be also plastic. I mean, because there are now um, the, the bottles of Coca-Cola, for example, uh, that are called reusable. Uh, they are a thicker plastic, they are a stronger plastic because they have to be uh, cleaned. So they need to be strong. 
So you can find in the supermarkets uh, bottles of Coca-Cola or water or, or milk, which are reusable. You, you are going I to see. pay, uh, like we charge on the side, you pay for the liquid and you pay for the container. So next time you buy, you don't have to pay for the container because you turn in the container and then we give you a, 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 a reused container with a product inside. So it can be, it can be any material. The thing is you cannot, in order not to throw it out to the land, to, to, to the garbage. I see. I understand. This is what we had when I was growing up as children, that when we used to buy sodas, it was in a glass bottle and we would pay an extra penny or a nickel or a dime in order to purchase that drink. And then when we would go back to the store, we would turn that in and get our deposit back. So I see what you're saying. It's just a, a container that you use and you consume the product and then you return the container to be used again as a reusable container. Yes, exactly. And, and, and they are mm -hmm. doing now uh, a, a small companies and big companies, multinational companies, and they are trying to, uh, there is like a 60% ratio that they save on buying new containers. So that means that we are saving thousands and millions of kilos mm -hmm. of uh, plastic, for example. So I think it's a good idea and, and, and we use it. So that's a, a, my suggestion. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Our water here in Thailand is that way. We have our drinking water delivered and it's in a big 20 liter bottle. And then they deliver nine of those and then, you know, every month or so, they will come back and collect those and deliver more. But we've put a deposit down for those bottles. And then if we finish with that company, then they'll give us our deposit back. So there hasn't been any generation of constant water bottles. It's just being reused over and over and over again. So, yeah, I understand. Yes, the more we do it, the better. You know, the more, the more people doing that, it will be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for that suggestion, Anastasio. Your English is wonderful. We can understand you very clearly. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's go back to Gloria. We'd like to piggy uh, to piggy back on Anastasio's. Um, like, if we go to buy some coffee, let's say we go to Starbucks, we can bring our own cups. And that's another good way, or any other place, it's a good way to also use less plastic or containers. Uh, and also, we haven't mentioned we go, when we go to the groceries, instead of, of, instead of using plastic bags, bringing our own bags. Mm -hmm. That's another way to uh, use and reuse and to protect the environment. Yeah, that's a good point, too, Gloria. I know a lot of governments are starting to eliminate plastic bags from merchants and stores. I know here in Thailand, a lot of the major retailers no longer have plastic bags, and we all need to take 
bags with us if we're planning to buy a lot of stuff and use our own bags, reusable bags. So kind of right along the lines of what Anastasia was saying is not only in consuming certain beverages or products, but using reusable bags when we purchase things as well. So it eliminates and reduces the amount of waste that shows up in our uh, garbage. So yeah, very good point. Do we have any other people who have things that they would like to share either in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom? Uh, you can share through the comment sections or you can raise your hand electronically in Zoom and share that way as well. I know that's a good question, David, while we wait on any other potential ideas. Sure. We often hear about how climate change is an issue that humanity has a limited amount of time to act on in order to save the Earth. And I was wondering, does the cycle of rebirth at all depend on Earth continuing to exist? The cycle of rebirth will continue, but there needs to be beings that are able to be born. So if we don't meet the needs of the scientists and what the scientists are recommending, the planet is going to continue, but we're going to get over that irreversible stage where the weather systems and the health of the planet is just going to continue to deteriorate and we're not able to recoup. I think that is kind of like in the next eight to 10 years that if we don't make drastic changes, we're going to kind of fall off the cliff, so to speak. Uh, so if we make those changes, of course, the planet is going to continue to get better and better as we all make wiser decisions. But if we fall off that cliff, then the health of the planet is going to continuously deteriorate and the cycle of rebirth is going to continue. There's still going to be beings being reborn, but those beings coming back into the world are going to meet with conditions that aren't very conducive to sustaining life. So it's going to be more and more difficult for those beings to ever experience enlightenment because they're going to be so busy with dealing with all these environmental conditions that are very difficult to deal with. But if the planet for some reason completely deteriorated for some reason and there were no longer any beings alive, then the cycle of rebirth you know, we don't know, you know, the Buddha never explained what would happen. But if there's no more beings that are able to be reborn, then there's not going to be any rebirth. There may not be any more human beings. There may not be any animals. But there's also these other planets in the world, too, that we know nothing about, very little about. And for sure, there's beings in other parts of the universe that exist. We can't be the only ones. Uh, it would only be our ego that would think that there isn't any other beings anywhere else in, in the universe. Uh, so there's those beings that are also experiencing the same natural laws of existence as we are. So perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps if this planet uh, ceased to exist and beings are still available to be reborn, then perhaps they're going to be reborn on another planet. But we really don't know. 100%. Uh, but as we fall off that cliff, if we fall off that cliff, it's going to make it more and more challenging for people to attain enlightenment because they're, they're going to be so consumed with just sustaining their life based on the environment that is uh, harsher conditions than we're experiencing today that uh, it's going to be significantly more difficult. And this is why anyone who's alive today should be 
actively working to eliminate this cycle of rebirth by eliminating discontentedness and attaining enlightenment because you know why take our chances and come back in a future life not knowing what the condition of the planet's going to be so it's best to uh, be able to attain enlightenment in this life now and then just be done with it all we have a comment from mercia we harvest all the rainwater which falls on the roof of our house it goes into the gutters and then into two five thousand liter tanks we use solar power to heat our water and supply most of our electricity needs wonderful yeah that's i think people call that living off grid right is uh you know you're not on the electric grid you're not on the water grid and uh it can be very liberating to be able to be completely in control of your own water and your own electric not being dependent on someone to provide that to you and then be subject to the impermanence and fluctuation of prices uh, for water and electric too so uh, that must feel very liberating to be able to live that way you mentioned david as we've been talking about vegan diets that in the chapter that animal flesh can mask one's true thoughts and emotions and that having a vegan diet and a clean diet can allow us to observe the true mind and i thought i would ask you to expand on that and perhaps speak about that phenomenon in the true mind that we have yeah when beings are being killed for example pigs or chickens or cows or any other beings that are being killed the stress uh, releases uh, certain endorphins and chemicals in their bloodstream and in their in their meat and this is being ingested along with all the the toxins that are in the meat there's been research that shows that even wild fish for example uh, there was a, a fish pulled out of a river in washington state a river that was known in america to be very clean they pulled out a wild salmon tested the flesh and they found over 190 different substances some of those substances were things like cocaine and antidepressants and things like this because the water table is so polluted from all these chemicals that we've been producing and flushing down the toilet flushing down our sinks and things like this that even wild animals are ingesting this stuff and then when we kill those animals and eat it we're ingesting it ourselves so for someone who continues to eat meat they're ingesting a bit of cocaine a bit of antidepressants and other toxins that pollute the mind and make it difficult for you to be able to observe your true thoughts and your true feelings but also as beings are being killed in a slaughterhouse or in any other way even wild animals there's a certain amount of endorphins that are released into the bloodstream and into the meat that you will absorb as part of eating the flesh of animals and that will affect your own emotions and your own thoughts and your own feelings when you eliminate meat and other animal products from your food intake you will see the clarity of the mind improve not only will you see things like manal and Nick mentioned about reduction of inflammation in the physical body. You also see elimination of digestive issues. If you end up with diarrhea or food poisoning or stomach cramps as a result of bacterias and things like that related to ingesting meat, but you also see the clarity of the mind improve because you won't be ingesting these toxins and these endorphins that are in the meat that you eat. And uh, you'll observe this over the course of about 
the first two to three months as you start phasing away and you switch over to a plant-based food supply, the first two or three months, you'll notice a big difference. But by the time you get to the six month mark, that's where you'll really notice that your own body has cleared out all those toxins that you were once ingesting and you're no longer being influenced by that. And you'll get more awareness of mind and more clarity of mind and you'll feel more calm as a result. So this is an important thing that you can do that's going to improve the health of the planet because we're not killing and harming and taking up all the resources to produce all these beings, but also it affects you on an individual level. This is why if somebody else kills an animal and you ingest it, you're still being affected by your choice to ingest it. Some people even within Buddhist communities say that if somebody else kills the animal, then it's okay for you to ingest it, that you won't have any unwholesome results or any unwholesome karma. But that's with them not observing that the real karma is coming from your decision to eat the meat and the meat is tainted with toxins, hormones, drugs, pollution, that as you eat it, it affects your physical body. It doesn't matter who kills it. That's part of it. The person who's killing it is creating harm and they're going to experience unwholesome results based on their unwholesome decisions, but also the person who's ingesting it as well. The way that you can think about this is that if somebody else stole the car and then they gave it to you and you're driving the car, who's going to get in trouble for driving the stolen car? It's you. Even though someone else stole the car, you're still driving the car. You're going to be affected by your decision to drive the stolen car. It's the same thing with eating the flesh of animals or any animal products, even eggs and dairy and things like this, that even though somebody else is involved in the production and manufacturing of those products, by you ingesting it, it's actually causing harm to the physical body and to the mind. And you'll notice less and less sickness as a result of cleaning up your food intake. And this is the result of your good, wholesome decisions. As we speak about the pollution of the mind, it reminds me of a quote from chapter 21. You said, the destruction of the planet is a direct result of the destruction of the mind of all of humanity. The pollution of the mind of all of humanity can be seen in the pollution of the planet. I thought I would ask you to also expand on this point and explain this phenomenon as well. Yeah, so as you guys have learned in this program, the three primary challenges in the mind, the three primary problems in the unenlightened mind are craving, anger, and ignorance, or unknowing of true reality. You can also describe that as greed, hatred, and delusion, or unknowing of true reality, or confusion. So as part of the craving on the planet, this drive, this desire, this greed to produce make money, gain material wealth, and people are driven thinking that happiness is acquired through material possessions. This is why we see massive amount of over farming. This is why we see hormones being injected into animals in order to grow them faster. This is why we see chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides being used to grow crops and produce more on land. Uh, we see an enormous amount of greed wanting material wealth and to be able to produce food that can sit on a shelf for longer and longer periods of time 
because this produces more money for the companies and the individuals who are involved in producing that. And without humanity really realizing it, we've worked ourselves into a situation where countless people are pursuing material wealth and material gain thinking that is what's going to produce happiness. That's what's going to produce long-lasting happiness. But it's a delusion. It's ignorance. It's unknowing of true reality that this money, this material gain is not going to produce lasting peacefulness. There's a certain amount of income that somebody needs in order to sustain their life, but constantly chasing material gain is going to motivate decisions and decision-making that is based in material gain rather than being conscious about harming people and about harming the planet. So if somebody or a company and lots of people involved in a company are making decisions based on material gain, then sure, they might put preservatives and chemicals and things like this to increase profits rather than think about what is good for the planet or what is good for humanity, what is good for the health of human beings. And if large or larger number of people start thinking about all their decisions about what's good for human beings and the health of human beings, what's good for animals and the health of animals, what's good for the health of the planet, then we can move our decision making towards things that are helpful and do no harm to beings and to the planet. And we will see this pollution and these chemicals and these hormones and uh, the trash and debris that we uh, discard and this desire to keep things permanent, right? This is where plastic came from is, you know, when glass containers would break and people weren't pleased with that, you know, okay, well, let's make this product that's going to last for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and it can't be broken essentially this is the mind craving permanence and because human beings that run corporations and inventors who invent certain things their mind is polluted with craving anger and ignorance or greed hatred and delusion and their decisions are based on those things they're making decisions without realizing that what they're making decisions towards is actually being more harmful than actually good so when humanity discovers and realizes that material possessions and material gain isn't what's going to produce permanent peacefulness and permanent contentedness in the mind, then we can shift our decision making towards what's best for humanity and what's best for the planet, not what's best for the pocket and for greed. But in a lot of cases, What's best for humans and what's best for the planet is what's best for profit as well. In a lot of cases, especially as more and more people start directing their resources towards those kind of products. But as long as there's this ignorance or delusion or unknowing of true reality about how the mind is polluted with craving anger and ignorance or greed, hatred and delusion, then we're going to keep seeing more and more people making decisions in that regard that is tainted with these three poisons or three unwholesome roots and when we transform that over to the wholesome roots of generosity loving kindness and wisdom these are what antidotes that craving anger and ignorance the antidote is generosity 
loving kindness and wisdom. And when more and more and more people start basing their decisions in those, then we will see that there'll be better and better decisions being made at corporate levels, at the level of like world leaders, and then also on our individual levels in our own homes as well. So we will be able to gradually as a humanity clean up these decisions that we're making and base our decisions in the three wholesome roots rather than what we've been doing for so many countless generations is basing our decisions in the three unwholesome roots. And that's what's led to all the pollution in the world is that we're basing decisions in the three unwholesome roots rather than the three wholesome roots. It does seem that purifying the earth relies on purifying the mind. And as we know, we purify the mind through the teachings. So in some sense, purifying the earth can be best accomplished by supporting the teachings. And do you have any advice on how we can do that? Yeah, the more that you are dedicated, determined, and diligent in your own practice of learning and practicing these teachings, you're going to gradually eliminate more and more of the pollution in your own mind, and you're going to gain wisdom to improve your decision making. And by doing that, you will influence more and more people around you just by you practicing. You don't have to go out on the street corner and beat a drum and try to convince people to practice the Buddhist teachings, but just by you being dedicated in your own development, your own life practice, it will gradually influence people around you and more and more generations will start to grow up with these teachings. And then as we choose to practice generosity, if you guys are donating to help people that are in famine or poverty or having difficulty with clean water or clothing, all of those things can help the world to help people that really need the help. And then as you choose to practice generosity, you might choose to support uh, the learning of sharing the Buddhist teachings into the world with teachers and communities of people who are sharing these teachings. You can uh, ensure that you're practicing some generosity with those people so that these teachings will continue in the world. And as you allocate your generosity and your donations of time, effort, energy, and resources, more and more people will get exposure to these teachings because that's the true answer. Like uh, with COVID, you know, it's wonderful that we've gotten these vaccines and that more and more people are going to be able to get vaccinated as time goes forward. And ultimately, that's what will take us out of this initial problem with COVID. However, that doesn't solve the problem. That doesn't get to the root of the problem. It gets to the temporary problem that we're experiencing now with lots of COVID all over the world. But if you go back to the source of the problem, which is that we were killing living beings, we were selling meat, and because of our close contact with animals, that allowed the coronavirus to move into the human population and spread throughout the human population. This happened with bird flu. This happened with swine flu. This has happened with a number of different illnesses throughout human history. Many, many major illnesses that we experience is all coming from the animal world. And this is because of our close contact with animals and the viruses being able to jump into the human realm and into human beings. So in order to clean this up so that we don't experience things like coronavirus, those things are going to keep happening if we keep contact with animals. 
and it's going to be one after another after another and we're going to need another vaccine and another vaccine and another vaccine but if we support these teachings to be shared in our own life and around the world then we gain the wisdom that what the real problem is is that we're having this close contact with animals and we're killing living beings we're selling meat we're ingesting meat and because of that these viruses are going to keep jumping into the human population and if we eliminate that through the wisdom of these teachings and all the other harms that we're causing when we eliminate those harms through the wisdom of these teachings then because we're not putting out harm into the world harm isn't going to come to us we can be more healthy we can be more peaceful because we're not causing harm in the world and that requires support of these teachings so that people can continue to learn these teachings so you focusing on your own life practice is the absolute best thing you can do but then also as you're gaining benefit be sure you find ways to benefit others and that these teachings are able to continue into the world and there's lots of different ways to apply resources to making sure these teachings continue in the world. Thank you, David. And I'd like to thank everyone who made the suggestions today. And I certainly learned a lot and I'm sure everyone listening did. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you, James. Uh, thank you, uh, Basim and Manal, for all the work that you guys do to help these teachings continue. And for all of you guys that are actively learning and practicing, remember to just keep being dedicated, you know, slowly but surely. Uh, you're trickling these teachings into the mind and slowly but surely you're practicing them more and more in the world and as we improve our decision making not only does the health of the mind become more improved but also through our improved decision making the health of the planet improves as well next week we're going to be in chapter 22 which is titled mental health a modern day delusion this is a chapter that i devoted to helping people to better understand what today we call mental illness or mental health and how the buddhist teachings through learning and practicing these can clear up a large majority of the things that some people consider mental illness or mental health and the significant amount of medications that are being distributed in order to uh, treat certain conditions but maybe never experience a cure from my experience, which you guys will hear next week, the Buddhist teachings can eliminate things like depression, bipolar disorder, ADD, ADHD, anorexia, bulimia, suicidal thoughts. You know, I could keep going on and on, PTSD, all of these different things. I'm going to explain to you next week how all of these things that some people consider to be a mental illness and defective brain can actually be directly correlated and traced to just an untrained mind. And when we train the mind through the Buddhist teachings, you will see that these symptoms that are categorized in these various ways and described as mental illnesses can actually be completely eliminated from the mind. There's nothing wrong with the human brain. There may be some things that are happening there, but this can all be remedied through learning and practicing these teachings to train the mind. So if you are currently on medication or you've currently been diagnosed with any of these things and others, or you have people around you that are currently on medication or diagnosed with these kind of things, 
Next week's class is going to help you understand how by learning and practicing these teachings to train the mind can eliminate and eradicate these type of things. And I'll share those teachings with you and help you understand that. And then from there, you can make your choice to be able to see the truth for yourself, how the mind will become more stable, more steady, and more content through learning and practicing these teachings. So that's what we'll be doing on Sunday. And then on Wednesday this week, we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation. Anybody who would like a refresher and learning how I teach loving kindness meditation, I'm going to completely refresh you on how we do loving kindness meditation. And if you've joined this program recently and you haven't heard me teach loving kindness meditation yet, I'll be teaching it on Wednesday. And then we'll be doing a session of loving kindness meditation together. And then in about another four to six weeks, we'll be restarting this program all over from the beginning of the book using the brand new book, Volume 1, and progressing week by week through all the chapters. So we'll be starting that in about another four to six weeks. And anybody who would like to retake this program, as you go through the program again, you'll pick up things that you didn't necessarily pick up the first time through. Things will kind of sink in and soak in a bit more. So you have the option to retake the program again from the beginning. If you've recently joined this program, then I would definitely suggest that you do the restart and start from the beginning of the program and go all the way through. This is a seven-month learning program where you can learn all the way through for seven months. And then for some of you guys who may be interested to move from this program into the Polycanon and English study group, that's restarting on August 7th, which is only another two weeks from now. And some of you might choose to actually do both programs at the same time, if you have the time available in your schedule. That program is on Saturdays at the same time, nine o'clock Thai time. So you guys will have some choices coming up. Do you repeat this program? Or, or start it from the beginning if you're new to this program? Or do you take this program and the next program together? Or do you move from this program to the next program? Totally up to you. If you would like my thoughts, you're welcome to private message me or schedule a personal guidance session to talk about that. Uh, I would probably ask you a bunch of questions to understand where you are in your practice to give you any kind of advice. But you probably know yourself what would be best for you. Either way, I'm here to support you, whether you retake this program or you move to the new program or you do both at the same time. Both of these programs are really well suited to help you build your life practice and progress towards enlightenment, which is the goal and hopefully is your goal so that you can get to this peaceful, calm, serene and content mind with joy. And as part of that, be practicing to improve your decision making to ensure the future of the planet. So we'll see you either on Sunday or Wednesday and have a lovely rest of your day. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. 
A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.